Welcome back to the Keep It Quirky podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with fellow creatives and entrepreneurs about food, travel, and the discipline and drive to create. Passion begets passion. So come on with me and let's do this. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Keep It Quirky podcast. So I'm really excited for you all to listen to today's conversation because today's guest, Frankie Salenza, he and I have realized how much we have in common. And so I knew that it would make for a really fun podcast conversation to have him on. We talk about how we met and all that stuff in the conversation, so I'll leave it there for now. But... Frankie. Well, if you follow the stuff that I've done, then you surely know who Frankie is, too. You probably know him from the shows he's done with Tastemade. Currently, he is rocking it with the hugely successful show Struggle Meals. In this episode, we talk about how he got there, all the twists and turns his career has taken from studying music and audio production in college to finding his entrepreneurial spirit when he was making Italian food in his college dorm room. Speaking of Italian, he learned Italian with yearly trips to Italy, even though everyone told him that with ADD and dyslexia, he could never learn a foreign language. He so proved them wrong. Frankie shares his improv philosophy when it comes to life and when it comes to the kitchen. He also shares how he thinks about his career and success. It's a metaphor that I really enjoy. I think you'll dig it too. Frankie is the bomb. Without further delay, here's our conversation. Frankie, can I have you count for me? Six, five, four, three, two, one. Wow, you started at six. Yeah, I just thought <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> Frankie Salenza, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for coming to my apartment with the mobile podcast. With the mobile podcast, I come to you. That should be the Keep It Quirky <laughs> recording slogan. Um, your place is great. There's so much natural light. It feels so sunny and bright and happy in here. Well, for the people at home, this is approximately a 420 square foot studio, <laughs> but it has two giant windows around the 46th floor, so it seems bigger than it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you've got a nice view of the of the water and yeah, it's pretty. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're a traveler just like me. I, I see no reason in having a giant place that just encourages the accumulation of garbage. Oh, yeah. I like how you've positioned your mic where I can still see your face, whereas like mine's like right (laughs) in my right in my face. I'm learning from Frankie, you guys, about all of this tech stuff, because Frankie, you okay? so you're a cook, you're a you're a video maven. Um, You are a drummer, you're a musician um, and you you nerd out about the tech stuff. I, the college I went to was all about audio. It was uh, at Tisch School of the Arts, and uh, Clive Davis opened up a school. And it was, uh, it was like music business, music technology, and like the actual performance and writing of music. So let's go back to when you were at Tisch School of the Arts. What did you think you were going to do? Were you planning on being a musician? Well, I always worked in video editing, and I always played music, and I always did a lot of cooking starting pretty much from high school. I had a lot of hot plates taken away from me at school. <laughs> I went away to school, so, you know, people are smoking drugs out the window. I was, like, cooking hamburgers out the window with the window <laughs> fan, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, 
I didn't. I didn't know. I mean, the first year I got there, there was no senior class. They were making up the school as they went. It was very small, sixteen kids per grade. Um, CD sales were still the dominant thing at the time. Oh my gosh! I had my ups and downs, but in the in the in the senior year there, I realized that people my age wanted to eat better. Food Network was only up, and I saw no one my age literally nobody doing a cooking show. And I was like, gee, if a 22-year-old kid wants to learn how to cook, they're not going to relate to this 40-year-old man Mm -hmm. or this 35-year-old woman who has a family. That doesn't work. And then I realized I had a huge competitive advantage having, you know, worked in post-production, been a video editor, all this music stuff. And and that's when I realized it's not music business school I'm at. It's entertainment business school. Mm. And uh, I can save a whole lot of money if I just do everything myself, which I know how to do well and even though there are definitely cooks at 22 way better than me they're not going to pay an editor $500 a day yeah you, I, you had the toolkit exactly so what was so what was your first step to start did you like what was what was the first video you did do you remember um I think I ripped off a John George scrambled eggs recipe with some vodka in it what George Bush was still president <laughs> I think he had like four days to go because my second video is inauguration day of Obama. Oh gosh! Oh yeah. wow! What did you cook for that? I made a, basically a spaghetti carbonara, but I implied like the it's breakfast spaghetti because it's eggs and bacon and the pasta's here bread. So heavy on the egg theme for the. But BuzzFeed has since made fun of me for putting vodka in the eggs. Like there's something of like the you know biggest atrocities ever done to egg, and uh-huh. it's like this guy putting vodka in the eggs, and I'm like. This three-star Michelin restaurant, like, recipe. Come on. (laughs) But speaking of that, I feel like you do a lot of takes on recipes and food. Like, you... You are not all about doing things the classic way. You're about doing things a delicious way. Uh, yeah, what's, your, what's your motto? Would you say, <laughs> like, and would you say that what I just expressed is accurate? I mean, I want it to be good. Yeah. Uh, I think that... My way of cooking is probably a lot like the way I live my life. There's a lot of improv happening. <laughs> um, and at the same time, like I've done the full culinary school online that you can check it out. Ruby.com, R-O-U-X-B-E. They uh, are not sponsoring this they episode. They are not sponsoring this episode. <laughs> and, and they are at the Vancouver Institute of Culinary Education or something like that. And it is... It is so cool. I mean, you've got the whole thing there. And then when I actually did go to real culinary school, I just stopped in like eight days. I was like, there's no reason to pay $40,000. I'm faster than everybody. And we live in the age where if you really want to learn how to do something, you can learn how to do it. And now with those master classes and things like, yeah, I mean, people get their online, like actual university degree yeah. online, sort of uh, yeah. redundant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why not do it in a culinary sense? If you've got time to do it, why do you... You know what I mean? So did you drop out of culinary school then? I did it for a very short period yeah. of time. I think I think a total of four and a half weeks. And then I just took some advanced classes. Like I did three weeks of Japanese cooking. That solidified. Cool. Yeah, that solidified me in being like, okay, these kids doing French culinary. No, no offense to them, but like they were really slow. <laughs> I mean, that's me. <laughs> that's I did the basic cuisine course. Yeah, but Paris. you have the knowledge. You know, that's fine. Yeah, yeah no, I do. <laughs> can you make a can you make a blonde roux? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and then when I worked the line at Lupa, like, you know, that's the, what I was going to bring up. So you so Frankie they, did a stage at Lupa, which is like a huge, very popular Italian restaurant no, it was here a in New York City. Job, not a stage. Really? Yeah, and then the timing made it look like a stage cuz Tastemade came to me with like 
all right, it's time for you to go into this. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I took that job because I was like, my local New York television show is over. They're never going to pay me again. I was like, I need to get a job. So I was like, well, I better go work in the restaurant now. Okay, so 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 that we don't confuse the listeners on timeline here, let's let's weave this together. So you're at Tish and you are into cooking and you have all these skills. So you, you have this light bulb moment. It sounds like no one else is doing this and I would like to see this. So I will do this and I can, I have, I have the tools. So you start that and then that turns into. Okay. So that's 2009. Okay. YouTube's the only platform where anything can be uploaded video wise at the time. Was Vimeo around? It, I think it, it might didn't have, have the audience. Sure. Like, yeah. Maybe it was. I remember that being like the second one. Right. And they were like, oh, it's higher quality. I still can't tell the difference. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to pay to upload stuff. I don't know. Right. Not, People don't browse it like they do YouTube. Though. Precisely. Yeah. Preci- especially since Google owns YouTube. I remember when YouTube got bought for a billion dollars. Everyone like, this is crazy. <laughs> that seems cheap now. Yeah, right. So that was 2009. I probably made like 35 or 40 videos throughout 2009. I started a blog with some friends of mine called theyoungandhungry.com. And we did, uh, the cooking show was right there, Frankie Cooks. And we did like restaurant reviews and art reviews and music reviews. Um, So I just kept doing that. I did that for like three years. And then all the big production companies came to YouTube and started pouring money into it, and my viewership tanked. Hmm. So I said, hmm, we need to bob and weave here. Where can I go where (laughs) not just anyone can be? Uh, And I walked into New York City TV here, which is a a local channel in New York. It's in the back of the taxi cabs, and it goes to like a 60-mile radius. So a little bit of Connecticut, a little bit of New Jersey, like half of Long Island, all of New York, some Westchester. Big big audience like potentially 20 million people if they all tune in yeah and the back of the cab thing is like the most clutch thing because probably everyone has seen your face yeah well hey when an older person stops me on the street it's nyc tv when a younger person does now it's tastemate yeah so so i bobbed there they said hey you want to do this interstitial piece i said sure so i banged out uh like 13 two and a half minute bits my brother composed all the musics to the edits He's a Juilliard grad. He can really play. Nice. And uh, and that was it. I was between Lydia Bastianich, uh, I guess Lydia's Italy, and yeah. Stanley Tucci had a wine show. Um, so I was like right between them there. Um, and then that turned into a half hour show and we did a season. Just one season? I thought this did, went for no, years. No, it, it went for three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was, uh, yeah. yeah. So it, you what, did a season and then you did two more yeah, seasons. Yeah, I did a season in 2013 yeah. and 2014 and 2015. And then they were kind of just like, all right, we're dumping the budget for everything. And now we're sort of... Actually, that's when you and I met, 2015. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That sounds about right. Tastemade became more than just... I always like to think of them as a record company for YouTube people. Like, they're like, hey, we'll turn on the ads, you know, and they got this giant swath of people with YouTube channels, thousands of people. Yeah. Well, they do a lot of different things. Yeah. Right? They're so, yeah, a production so then we company. Met. And, yeah. So we met through Tastemade. They called me up one day. Hey, you want to do this thing? I did it. It was like the first time I, or maybe with you, it was the second time I'd worked with people that I didn't know because I'd been doing all the production. Is this interesting? I don't know. Is it interesting? I think it's interesting. At that point, so we're, we're six years deep. It still hadn't happened, and I still couldn't make a living. And despite, like, being that number one show on NYC TV, and we picked up five regional Emmys along the way. Two for music, by the way. Wow. Outstanding composition. 
um, I was just like, man, I don't know if this is going to happen or not. Because you were struggling to make ends meet doing this thing that you love to do. Oh, totally. I had to move in with my parents for a year and a half. Wow. Yeah, it was rough. And I was riding my Vespa to the restaurant back and forth for $8 an hour. And then the phone call came. Uh, Michelle Obama would like to personally invite you to the White House. And I'm like, this is like three months into Lupa. And they go, but there's only one condition if you agree to work with Tastemade for a year. And I'm like, that sounds like a really good condition. So, that, so that's kind of, that was sort of, you know, it was it was like YouTube and then local TV. And then the opportunity to work with Tastemade, whom I still work with today, is great because now we're witnessing, much slower than I'd anticipated, but now we're witnessing this shift from traditional linear television to a sort of streaming version of it. I mean, my whole family cut the cord. Everyone's on my YouTube TV, like, subscription. You know what I mean? And they, we get all the channels we want. and, and Yeah. Saving hundreds of dollars. Well, and it's just the future. <laughs> it's what it people is, but, it, but it's taking longer. Yeah, but it is how people will consume if they're not already. So the thing, the reason when you stopped and said, is this interesting? The reason that I think it is, is that your path was not linear, not linear. Although there were certain elements, things that you loved to do and, and skills you had and the ways that you wove those elements together. Well, I, I said you caught me at an interesting time because yeah. we're at 10 years. So yeah, okay, so present moment, what's going down? Actually, I'm going to rewind for just one second. Oh, yeah. the, <laughs> the, early, the early cooking show stuff in 2009 started because I was learning to speak Italian all through college and going to Italy every summer with my family and they had this little boat and we'd go from port to port Cool. and my, my uncle Andrea would make something different from the port every single time. I'd come back in the school year and I would invite people over Five bucks, have dinner with me, and I'm telling them the history oh, and myths. Oh, you were like entrepreneur, Frankie. Yeah, yeah, well, the NYU meal plan was eight, yeah. and mine was five, <laughs> and it was superior. And it came with a history lesson. So yeah, when like the 10th person said, you should film this, I was just like, there will be less competition for my age. And I'm not a particularly good songwriter. I got technically really good, but... I was like, you know what? This is probably the better path. Mm. I love food. I love talking. I love performing. All those things are there. All right. Now we're here. So so my goal was always to like, all right, get on, do the media thing first. Because even really great chefs aren't necessarily good on camera. So I knew I had an advantage there. Um, and then it's expensive to do stuff. So I knew I had an advantage there. So it was always, if I do the media thing first, and this sounds so vain, Fame equals recognition that every subsequent thing that I would do would work from day one. Opportunities. Right. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times, less so now, because it's amazing how much New York City's changed in 10 years, but restaurants would open and they'd be empty for two years. So-and-so worked under Master Chef so-and-so for 10 years and they opened the place and no one knows who they are. And that just like solidified the fact that like you have to have some recognition thing. Mm -hmm. So that was always the plan. Uh... I didn't ever really get to broadcast TV now that I think about it, but I feel like we're, we're there now. I mean, yeah, well, it's like the industry itself has changed. Totally. And even in terms of like, how do you create a name for yourself? Social media, like build a social media brand. Like anyone can do it. Really? Yeah. And, and even though I think it's too late, I mean, people like Topless Baker have yeah. blown me away. And it's never, which means it's really never too late. It's never too late. If yeah. you can have a super focused message mm -hmm. and do it. Yeah. Um, what is next for you? 
Okay, so now what's next? So so now I'm working with Tastemade for, it seems like, at least the next three years. We have a hit show called Struggle Meals where I, I try to make plates around $2 a plate. And uh, that show has been wildly popular. We're about to go into the production of season seven, and it's now a half-hour show. So... Finally, we get a half-hour show that I don't have to do all the video editing of, like lose six pounds, have the window shades down for three <laughs> yeah. months, and do post-production. So, so now that I am no longer doing production, which took up 95% of my time, I'm now doing pre-production, I'm writing the shows, I'm performing, and they deal with post. So now all of a sudden, my my years are wide open. You're freed up. Yeah. I don't remember the second half of my 20s. It was it was like a lot of work. Yeah. And I questioned myself, as I'm sure you did. I can relate. Is this worth it? Amen. Yeah. I do remember the first time I saw you, though, it was on that uh, Food Lab video series. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, this 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 woman's great. She's oh. my age. And, <laughs> and then we worked together. Yeah. I know, I know. That was cool. When we first met, we, we were like, oh, my God, we have so much in common. And I paid for that. You did. I paid for that. That's to, great. To show how yeah. digital video, how far it's come. Yeah. I think it's ludicrous to think that today someone would pay for a cooking show that you download. I don't know. Yeah. So they're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. So now I've got all this free time because I'm, I'm shooting the show and let's call it a month of work a year spread across three shoots. Okay. And I fly to LA for that. Um, so starting next week, I'll be working with a nonprofit called Wellness in the Schools. Um, to, That's cool. Here in New York. Yeah, they're here in New York. I'm going to adopt a public school somewhere and I'm going to try to you know, do a class. That's so cool. Once a month. Well, and so this brings up something that I have enjoyed seeing. It seems like you really excel at the teaching element of cooking because there's a difference between being good at cooking or loving cooking and doing videos about that and actually teaching people. Like, do you think of yourself as a teacher? How much of the word educator do you apply to what you do? Uh, I, I think it's probably up there. And, it, you know, my father is lecturing in Italy on, on teeth next week in Italian. I've been translating it with him all week and he's getting pretty good at saying it, even though he has no idea what he's saying. <laughs> I'm like, but you do know what you said because you wrote it in English. And my grandfather, same thing, always lectured. And he, I always enjoy watching their lectures, even though I don't know what they're talking about. So there is that teaching aspect in the family. Um, but I'm totally ADD and I'm dyslexic. And... So there's the teaching part. There's got to be some humor because I assume the person watching is going to lose interest. So it's got to be funny. There's got to be a lot of things going on. Plus, the screen totally diminishes, you know, like nothing shocks us on screen anymore. If it happens in real life, it does. That's why we did all the music composed to the stuff early on because you can't smell, you can't taste. Those senses are lost. Mm. But if a new instrument comes in every time a new ingredient comes in and if, you know, they all get very excited when there's a flambe in the plan, in the pan and, and then die back down, when it, it engages a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah, I see myself as an educator and I think probably also an entertainer. Can we talk about your dyslexia and like ADD and how that has shaped yeah what do you want to know well how has that shaped what you do and and your path and what like what what challenges has it presented and how have you overcome those challenges or have you just been like well this sucks but let me just i don't really know what the challenges are i mean i'm 33 almost 
And it just feels like such a long time ago since I've talked about that stuff because it was like always talked about while we were in school and stuff. Give him extra time on the tests. I'm like, I don't need extra time. They take it anyway. All right, fine. You know, oh, he can't learn a language. Well, now I speak fluent Italian. They were Mm. wrong on that. Yeah. What I realized is I can't do anything I don't want to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cannot do it. And uh, I don't have a problem being told what to do, but I I can't handle like just monotonous day after day stuff. Um, ironically, the kitchen, which is super repetitive, I, that didn't bore me. Right. Well, because it's tactile, right? It's with your hands. So if it was at a, like a desk job, yeah. then you would go crazy. I was sweating every day like crazy and five hours would go by in two seconds. It was exciting. At Lupa? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then maybe like, I think I'm pretty good at focusing now and I don't take anything to like make me focus. I haven't for 20 years. Um... And do you think it's just because you are doing what you love, like day to day? I think I, I think I've just really eliminated things that I don't like, and yeah. I try to go towards things I do. And That's kind of the beauty of growing older, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. And that included, you know, the painful thing of eliminating some people in my life that were, you know, dragging me down, or it was just like the same thing every single day. Was that conscious? Like, do? Oh, hundred percent conscious. It just like it came to a T, and I was just like, listen, here's what's gonna happen now. Yeah. So I, I wanted, I, because I love, I love the concept. Of of a well-designed life. You said that you came up with a, wait, this is That's like great Foley. Yeah, this is great <laughs> Foley sound effects going on. Um, <laughs> ready, ready? Yeah. As Frankie drinks his water. <laughs> Refreshing. What was that Zoe uh, Kravitz thing? Miller Light. <laughs> Whatever, you remember at the Super Bowl? No. no. Oh, she was like, it was all ASMR, like, Oh, was it this past year's Super Bowl? Oh, I live in England. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I put on football and it's Chelsea versus I, yeah, exactly, Real Madrid. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you've just hit like the 10 year mark of. By the do- way, you see the ADD? The, I mean, honest, <laughs> honestly, every conversation I have is like this. Maybe it's just as much me as it is you. Okay. So 10 year plan. You have accomplished everything that you set out to accomplish a decade ago, which is an incredible incredible accomplishment. Congratulations. Thank you. 10 years ago, did you like write this down? Did you like vision board it or like, you know, how did it take shape? And, and so how did you know what you were going after? I have a lot of notepads. Um, when I was filming shows, I had, you know, a piece of paper in the wall for every episode where I'm at, what I need, things like that. Um, the grand plan, um, has always been sort of like a bicycle wheel and and Frankie Media is in the middle and I feel like it's finally taken the training wheels off and it's moving mm, on its own now. Yeah. So now I'm trying to figure out the spokes going out to the actual rim and you know one of them is uh, a book which hopefully one day I'll get but the, the publishers are tough right now having a little trouble with the the most recent one that I 40 page proposal that's okay we'll do more and the rejection rate is high yeah oh you know, yeah I mean, some people listening probably go oh you know Frankie and Katie made it it's like I still deal with 95 plus percent rejection mm-hmm. rate on yeah. everything yeah uh, this is important this is an important reality a hundred percent and and you just have to take no's as maybes Mm-hmm. Or, you know, alter it. You got, you got to be able to take the criticism. Yeah. I can. So, all right. So they don't like that book. We'll figure out another one. No big deal. Uh, you know, what else? What, what does what does food do? What, what are the big problems in the world and in the country? Well, you've got uh, global warming. 
agriculture is a huge part of it. Yes. As big as transportation. Mm -hmm. And so like things like Impossible and Beyond Burger excite me because, have you tried it by the way? No, I haven't. We should have one after this. I ought to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's made from plants. It bleeds. You know, they figured out that uh, heme is what makes meat taste like meat and they've genetically engineered it and stuffed it in there. Uh, And it's satisfying when you eat it. But the exciting thing is it uses, you know, one twentieth the water pound for pound as ground beef, you know, and the same for the energy and so on. And because it uses so much less, when they get that working, in theory, it should cost one twentieth that of beef. So I see all like fast food places selling fake beef in the future. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like feeding people right. something that's healthier. Helping the and helping the environment. And reducing emissions. Yeah. Okay, so so there's the food technology thing that's great. Um how about a lot of people are totally uh, like led on and believe major corporations that essentially do total detrimental things to their health. So that's like where the cooking show comes in, you know, and that's sort of part of media, but that's also wellness in the schools. If you could teach these kids early on, you know, what a sweet potato is and that it can be more delicious than a fried potato chip. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, that foundation is there. Um, other things are obviously a restaurant makes sense at one point, although I've done the math. I keep doing the math. Restaurants are hard. I know, but I get so many DMs every day. How do I try your food? You know what I mean? Yeah. And people do need to eat and people will go to restaurants. Truth. And if you already have the platform and the name, this goes back to what we were right. talking about before. Changes of Chances of success are just that much right. higher. Yeah. And, uh... I'm still not there for the rent in New York Hmm. and being 100% positive that there'll be a line out the door every single day, Hmm. you know, for a while till we can recoup the investment. But then I look at restaurants that have been around for a while and they do have a line out the door every single day and that blows my mind. Okay, so you've got the the educating the young people. um, You've got the food technology stuff that's happening. You've got the, the book thing. I'd really like to be the next ambassador for Italian American food. So this is, okay, I love- Mario's gone now. Yeah, he's out of there. But- I, this is actually something I really want to talk about. Your family's very Italian. You just talked about this. You go to Italy every summer. You were you were raised in Westchester, though, right? I or, grew up here. I did four years in Westchester. Okay, but like, so you're a New York City boy, mostly. Um, yeah, so zero to 10 here and 18 till now. So that's 14 plus 12. That's 26 so of my that's 32 years. most of your life. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. But your parents live a bit out they, of the they city. They have the house out of the city. That's okay, right. okay. What role did your family's Italian heritage and I, Italian-American identity, how has that shaped you beyond, beyond the food that you cook and eat? You know, it's interesting that you say that. Again, in high school, they said, Frank, you're going to take Latin for three years because that's going to help you on the SAT because your English isn't so good. Hmm. And I was like, great. And I always get the lowest passing grade. And they were like, oh, you can't speak a language. I always kind of wanted to, though. But they didn't offer Italian. College, I feel like, is when I I woke up a little bit. I wanted to learn Italian. I wanted to learn more about myself, my like genetic material, if mm, you will. Yeah. Like 23andMe before 23andMe exactly. existed. You just wanted to explore it. A hundred percent. And so there was this convergence of, I remember I was outside my advisor's door and he's like, Frankie, just so you know, if you take Italian, you have to take two semesters of it for the first one to count. Whoa. You can't just like do it and drop it. And I was like, this is I either, like yeah, I was like, and this is either going to be the worst or best idea ever. Be- worst idea. If it's anything like Latin, mm. you know, best idea. If it turns out, to, it turned out to be the best idea. Um, 
And so as I got good at Italian and I was going to Italy, I saw that people move their hands like I do. <laughs> and people's way of thinking over there is, is sort of similar to mine. How is that? Uh, Just kind of more like... Well, like I always... Here's a simple example. Yeah. The, the grandma recipe for anything, she's putting tomatoes into something and like... Every American will be like, how many tomatoes? And her answer is, quanto basta, which means the correct amount. Mm. And that's sort of how I do it. And I, I've been trying to focus people in my videos towards like looking at the liquidity of something and the viscosity of something. And because everybody's pan size is different. Everyone's burner is different. Everybody's got a different size produce. Mm -hmm. Like Oven temperatures are never the same. And I'm convinced that a majority of recipe followers don't understand that it's a guideline. And like, Mm. I mean, I see people like getting that last little teaspoon of flour off the (laughs) cup. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. It's all about the humidity of your room, Mm. which was not stated in the recipe. So you got to figure it out. Um, The question was... Uh, so how did, okay. Oh, and that, and that's when I started cooking for my friends back here in New York. And that's when I realized that a lot of people didn't grow up with home cooked meals every single day. I did my whole life. My mom always did it. And somewhere in the 1970s, the majority of American families decided that, and women were still pretty much homemakers in the day. They were, they were going to the workforce, but they were still majority at, at home or more so than today. Um, And during that transition, there was a marketing opportunity for all these frozen food companies. You're a busy, you know, you're a busy mom. You're doing lots of stuff. You don't have time to cook. Heat up this frozen dinner. Yeah. And we lost the generation of cooking. Yeah. Yeah. But the the Italians, I don't think did. Hmm. Because my mom was still cooking for me. And everyone I grew up around with, their parents were heating up frozen food. So now we're all woke. And we're trying to cook again. And and (laughs) by the way, I'm so happy that women are in the workplace now. My wife's been pulling in the checks for the yeah. last uh, last couple months. Um, she supported me early. I supported her after that. She supported me again, and now uh, you know we're we're going at it together. And I mean, that's the beauty great. of a partnership. And and by the way, I'm totally setting myself up to be like super dad. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I cook and clean. Yeah. Oh my Come gosh. On. Yeah, yeah. I am a total reversal of of sexes in this household. <laughs> Heather works in real estate, and I'm cooking. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so your mom cooked Italian American food at home. Yeah. And that's and so that is your comfort food and that's the food that you started to cook and that you started to play around with. Eggplant parm is my comfort food. Mm-hmm. I remember in 8th grade we went on this school trip overnight to Boston and like everyone got chicken parm and me and one teacher got eggplant parm. Like no one even knew what it was. Shame. I love eggplant. I love it. I love eggplant. Aubergine. Aubergine is what we call it over I over know. there. And and your zucchini Yonder. are courgettes. Yes, exactly. And your uh, gherkins are pickles, and it's all kind of funny stuff. Uh, your cilantro is coriander. Yep. And I did actually did a whole YouTube video about oh, this cool. American English to British English food translations. Yeah. It's fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, there's there are there are many. And I feel like I kind of learn new words like on the regular. I'm like, wait, I thought we spoke the same language. Oh, no. OK, <laughs> not not exactly. OK, not entirely. So the big the big picture question I think you're asking and I'm still trying to figure out. I don't really know. There's a couple things I had to come to terms with. One, there is no it. You do not make it. It's a moving target. It keeps it keeps moving. Uh, I, I try to look in years. I try to be busier every year. And I try to see some type of forward slash upward momentum every year. And that's been the case for 10 years. Now, I started at a lucky time. 
2009, middle of recession, anything is good at that point, and the economy has gotten better and better. We'll see. But I keep pushing myself to do more. So now I got to figure out how to, um, you know, spread the word of of great food, either in person uh, or in books or on screen. And uh, I just want people generally to cook better. I I feel like people that cook for themselves are happier, just like people that try to do some type of physical exercise to get that endorphin rush. Yeah. Well, there's a sense of empowerment in being able to feed yourself, period. Feed yourself delicious food, more importantly. I mean, it's sustenance, but being able to cook, create something delicious for yourself, that's empowering. 100%. And, and there's 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 more to it. Like, if you become a good cook, you're now better as a restaurant eater, you can pick out flavors more. Just like a musician can hear something in a song way better than a non-musician. Doesn't mean the non-musician doesn't love it, but they're not gonna be able to dig as deep. So even if, you know, someone who's never played an instrument before takes a couple piano lessons, you know, I bet they hear something in even a Lady Gaga song. Well, not even, she plays <laughs> piano. Yeah, yeah. Joanne's a great album, by the way. I can't get Diamond Heart out of my head <laughs> all morning. Um, Where you were about to sing some of it, weren't I, you? I, I, <laughs> I may not be perfect, but you know I got a diamond heart. <laughs> it's so she's great, and 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 the more she gets her songwriting gets more and more mature, the more I was like, Frankie, you made the right decision not playing music. She opened for my band in 2007. No, she three did not. times at the uh, at the bitter end. Yeah. Oh my god. It was the Stephanie German. That's German a fun fact. I know. I was like, hey, you know, like we're better than you. And man, add like <laughs> add literally a thousand orders of magnitude, and she's it's even bigger than that. Yeah. So anyway, no, no, she's she's fantastic. So what I love about a lot of the things that you just said, and to draw it back to the visual of this wheel when you, you you see you when you vision your career i loved the metaphor of the wheel and the spokes and you know what is an inherent part of a wheel is motion is moving is moving and and that movement is the main thing you think of when you think of success right success is just that motion forward and always going and i and i love that I love that. I think that that's an excellent takeaway. What I want to know is how you, Frankie, mm. keep it quirky. <laughs> About two years ago, when I was going to ask my wife to marry me, I asked my friend Dan. She went away for a second. I was like, Dan, I think I'm going to do this. What do you think? And he said, Heather's good for you because she keeps you weird. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I've, I've always been like a one-on-one person. I can't really... I don't really like large groups. Uh, I was never like a fratty type. Um, I don't know. I just I just did a bunch of hiking in Idaho with like, uh, you know, an ex-alcoholic Australian man. You just literally go up a mountain and then these skis like strap together and turn into a snowboard and then you go down. And what? I was enjoying that so much more than actual like lift skiing or snowboarding. I do both. Um... How do I keep it quirky? I I don't know, man. I still enjoy hanging out with my parents. They're like my best friends. You know, I still enjoy uh, cooking meals for friends. I 
less so in this apartment than the last one, but I'm, I'm trying to get people in here. And, and we had a, some friends over two weeks ago. We had a great dinner, blasted through like three bottles of wine. That's awesome. So many courses of like fresh made orecchiette that oh I- Oh my gosh, yeah, stop yeah. it. I love doing that. So you keep it quirky by following your passions and letting them lead you wherever the weirdness might lead. Yeah. And I realize that I'm like fortunate in a way because, you know, it started to work financially at some point. You probably have to give up on it if it doesn't work or or figure out if maybe your idea isn't good enough. And that's crossed my mind so many times. You know, I was like, maybe this isn't good enough. But then when I started looking at the other options, most of them required going back to school. And those tuition fees are extremely way more higher than me continuing to invest in myself in an area where there's basically no competition for my age. I know everybody that's in this field that's my age. You're one of like 25 of them. (laughs) No, really. I mean, that's it. That are doing it at a like actually, you know, as their real job level. There's not, there's under a hundred people. Seriously. Well, I, I, something that you just said that really stuck out to me and I think that this is something we see super eye to eye on and probably those other people in this group that you just mentioned or community, whatever you want to say, is investing in yourself. Yeah. And I think that's so important because that's what we have all chosen at every turn. 100%. And there are a lot of turns, right? So I'm so excited to see what you get into in the future, Frankie. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to us. I will just close with one thing, if I may, Katie. And thank you very much for having me. The the thing is that the world is moving so quickly right now. The days of like, I have an idea and I'm going to put that idea into motion are, are so three decades ago. You've got to throw a lot of things and see what sticks and go with it. Like, I never thought my cooking show would be like, you know, $2 a plate. I always thought it was going to be like, you know, I'm kind of taking myself seriously. So, you know, that's how I keep it quirky. That's yeah. how. Yeah. I got this kind of like goofy show. I've made it my own. And it's got a really big audience and I'm starting to ask them questions and they're answering me by the hundreds and we're incorporating into the show and uh, I don't take myself too seriously. That's it. That's it right there. Frankie, you keep it quirky with the best of them. You guys keep it quirky at home. (laughs) Bam. Bye, Frankie. Ciao. Big thanks to Frankie. I have linked to his show Struggle Meals in the show notes and to all of Frankie's social media so you can find him and follow him. I also linked to a video that he and I have done together and that video that I mentioned, the American English versus British English food terms. That's a fun one. So I included that in the show notes as well. And as always, thank you so much to Funky Brian for composing the theme song you hear. And I will see you all back in just a couple of weeks. In the meantime, I'm off to Japan, so that'll be fun. You can follow me on Instagram to see what I'm eating, at QKatie on the gram. And uh, I'm sure I'll share more of those journeys when I see y'all next time. And until then, don't forget to keep it quirky.